Welcome to the Rise Up Live Free podcast, where we're going to be giving you the exact blueprint to reach financial freedom in 10 years or less, regardless of your age, your income, or your experience. You see, we believe that 97% of traditional financial advice is dangerous, misleading, or outright wrong. And we're here to empower you on how you can use money and cash flow as a tool to create, build, and live a life you love now rather than having to wait until you're 65. If you're ready to take immediate action, join us over at cashflowtactics.com forward slash podcast. All right, welcome back to the Rise Up Bleed Free podcast. Thank you all for listening. We do genuinely appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens to our ramblings, our thoughts. Um, and hopefully you guys are getting value. If you are, Find somebody in your life that wants to be financially free and share this with them. Jimmy, we're bringing some, I think, well, we always bring contrarian stuff to the podcast, but today uh, we're bringing even more of it. Um, and our, our, our goal here today, I would state it as we want to bring stability to a very unstable time. Would you, would you agree? Would that be a good summary of where we're going to get everybody by the end of the podcast today? Yeah. And I, I'm just in a kind of a weird spot. It's February 1st. And I'm like, wow, January was incredibly uninteresting. And that can be a good thing. Yeah. It just was, it was uneventful, <laughs> right? It Not a lot happened either direction. And so that sort of leads us to be in some ways, Jimmy, that's the worst place for you and I to be. I'd, I'd either rather be winning or fighting a fire that's fun, right? But sort of nothing going on leaves me just agitated a little bit. So we're kind of coming in with that energy where it kind of anticipating, I think that's been the kickoff to 2023. There was lots of anticipation, lots of, of signals and warning signs and people making predictions. And then it seems like everything kind of turned off for the holidays and hasn't really spun back up. So um, today we're going to go in, what we want to be hitting today is understanding, uh, Jimmy, when, when is the best time to buy real estate? Like if just, let's just one line it and let everybody go home. Like when's the best time to buy real estate? All the time. Always done podcast over, go about your life. Well, it but depends on, depends on what you're buying for. If you're a flipper and you're flipping like three, $400,000 houses, like not all the time is a good time. Yeah, that's very true. Right. Or if, you're, if, if you're in an apartment syndication, right. And you're raising three, four, five, six, $10 million to then go do a deal. Not every market is great for you, right? Yeah. But if you're looking to build a cash flowing rental portfolio and have your tenants pay down the uh, mortgage over time, and then you either pass it on to your heirs or you sell the sell them at 10 or 20 years, it's always a good time to buy. In fact, I would make the argument that you have to be always buying. Ooh, Jimmy. That was the juicy part. If you didn't catch that. So let me restate this for you. First and foremost, we're defined. Jimmy did a great job defining success, right? This podcast, this movement, this discussion at Cashflow Tactics is not for people who want to do active real estate. It's not for people who want to be on HGTV. It's not for people that want to quit their job in the next 12, 24, 36 months and have a different stream of income. Like that's not what this is about. But this is for people who are used to winning. They're smart people. They're willing to do the work. And when they have a set of rules, they will do the work to follow it. 
but they're asked, they're questioning whether the set of rules that were given to them, i.e. get a good education, get a good job, max out their 401ks and cross your fingers is going to work. Like that set of rules isn't working. So we get, we bring this set of rules that we follow a very specific set of game plans. We call the four pillars of investing and we get rich slowly. We do the least amount of work. We truly want it to be passive. We want to turn over to every other expert. Like Brad, I'd like to meet somebody who got rich quickly. That'd be cool. That'd be very interesting. We're, We're still trying, Jimmy. Right. We've been trying in this info space for years and it's still not working. I mean, but, even uh, an athlete, I, I guess the people who make money, you can make an argument. People make the money fastest are athletes. And even some 19-year-old kid who just say signs a contract straight to the NBA, they at least got 10 years in. And they were five years old when they were putting in the work. Like they, I mean, everything requires a 10-year spin-up time period. And so if you're willing to follow the rules and and deal with the do the work required inside of that game. You can get rich slowly. You can do the work, not see much happen and wake up in 10 years and your wealth will surprise you. That's the definition of success. And so then, Jimmy, the juicy part you said is the only way to win that game is to always be buying. Because if we're trying to do that over a 10-year time period, there are not enough market windows that we can time perfectly, move quickly enough, deploy enough capital, acquire enough assets, and get our outcome. We can't do that. And it's so hard for the average person that comes in to get their mind around that because they're told they need to buy Apple at the right time. They need to do this option execution when the candlestick tells them the thing that they need to do at the right. Like It's all about timing. But instead, we throw timing out the window and say it's your window is the next 10 years. So the game becomes, how do I always transact? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, yeah, a good setup. Yeah. And so I titled this uh, episode like, it's always a good time to buy, but your reasons of why you're buying are going to change. There you go. Okay. All right. So here's the the frame of... How do I always buy so that I can wake up in 10 years and be rich? Well, what we're going to talk about, we've talked about lots of different areas, but today we're going to hit on the idea of market cycles because all markets move in cycles. Nature moves in cycles, right? Everything, seasons move in cycles. Everything has cycles built into it. So does the real estate market. And an interesting thing, Jimmy, I want your thoughts on this. It feels like we've taken what normally is maybe a 10-year cycle, maybe a 15-year cycle, and we've done it in the last three years. So talk us through the last three years of cycles because you're the one, like I get to see it from outside. I passively involved in real estate. I'm not actively involved in it. Yeah. Jimmy's the one boots on the ground doing it, but that would that's my feeling is it feels like we've taken what normally takes 10 years or 15 years even, and we've done it in three And that's leaving us all with a little bit of whiplash. So talk us through that first. Yeah. So the big event, you know, when I left 2019, because I started thinking about this and like looking back in time, but I don't know if you remember this, Brad, but at the end of 2019, we were all anticipating, we had the big Trump bump, 2016, 17, and 18. Mm -hmm. And we were, people were anticipating somewhat of an economic cool off for 2020. Yep. 
nobody was expecting a crash, but maybe just a, a leveling, a cool off. And so what happened? COVID. And um, then the Fed injected a third of the money supply into the economy. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's outside the scope of this podcast to say, hey, was it a great idea to keep interest rates super low and then uh, print a ton of money for this pandemic? That's outside the scope of this podcast. Capital tactics, all we know is they did it. And now we're like, how do we manipulate it to our advantage? So, yep. Back then, like I remember when they shut down the NBA, and we've talked about this a few times on this podcast, but we were just like, what's going to happen? What are we going to do? Because there was talk that the the banks were going to shut down, mortgages were going to shut down. No one knew how dark it would get. Yep. And so what did they do? They lowered interest rates. So, and then the day, like five days into COVID, me and Brad were talking, we're like, we're sell- we, we are not selling houses anymore. We're selling 0% loans. And like we were telling people, hey, uh, 50-50 shot, whether your tenant pays, but you have to get control. Yep. You get control of this free money. Well, okay. So pause right there. So <laughs> that sort of era of, the, you know, that section of the cycle, right? Right or wrong, they were printing money. And right. there were some people lining up to get it and others not. But the average American couldn't get in line because they don't own a bank, right? They're not a connected politician. They don't have a lobbyist organization, right? So they didn't have the ability to get this money. And so what we were telling them is, this is how you get in line. By the way, I just, I saw a headline today on Instagram where it's of all the money printed, guess where it ended up? In the bank accounts of the top, like 1% of the 1%, like, duh. Like who didn't see that happening? Duh, right? I don't own a public corporate, a majority share of a public corporation. So like I was pretty limited. However, what we were screaming was, if you bring a house with you, the bank will give you this money that's being printed. You just need a house to be able- And we, yeah, we were like, hey, 50-50, whether you collect rent or not right now with the eviction moratorium, doesn't matter. Not, just put enough money in reserve and get two, three, 4% money, right? And people thought we were crazy. People scratched their head. Are you sure? That doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? Now, when interest rates are 6 7 and 8%, everybody's wishing they could get what? Back then. And let's talk about that. Because everybody signed up and nobody could get deals. Yep. So Because the the price-wise, the market took off. Yeah. So that's the next piece of the cycle. So when money is printed, when money is cheap, right, that's good on the leverage pillar. But it's bad on the cash flow pillar because low rates and higher higher access to money, it doesn't mean there's more houses to buy, yet there's more money chasing those houses. So what has to give? Prices have to move. So that was the next phase. We yelled, get the money and we'll figure it out. Like I promise you, there will be, we've seen this cycle before, where in this part where it's just load up on leverage, go, 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 right? And then the people that did, when interest rates started to change, they woke up six months, 12 months, 18 months later. I did analysis for somebody who had been in our game 18 months, bought six properties, got $100,000 of appreciation in that 18-month time window. Yep. So how did they win that game? So that's the up end of that real estate cycle where... But they collected zero cash flow. In fact, they were negative on their cash flow. And that's why we had a call. He's like, Brad, I'm mad because I didn't make my cash flow because I wanted to quit my job. He's like, well, we didn't say that. 
We said you'll wake up in 10 years and you'll be surprised at how wealthy you are, but let's take a look. So yeah, he wrote about $5,000 worth of checks, but he controlled $100,000 of equity. Yep. So like, oh, okay. So that's how that we won during that phase of the market. Cheap money, acquire the asset, ride the, the, the wave of inflation, right? Fill your sale and move up. That was kind of that phase. And then what we figured out also is that the people who really benefited those time during that time were people who bought in 17 and 18 and already had 10 assets to refi. Yes. Even better. Right. And and there's always that loop. Right. And this is, this is what we'll see, but that's a good point. So the, the people that bought brand new one, but of course, if I had a property in 19, I won even bigger because I didn't have to pay the, because even though I had maybe a five and a half percent mortgage in 2018, 5% mortgage in 2018, my property still appreciated the same amount. So yep. again, this idea of those that continued to buy one, we had some people have a well, million dollars of equity. Yeah. And, and then but our struggle too was the stock market was raging and crypto was raging. So we were, we were like, um, you know, we had our hand up like, hey, this works, this works, it's working, it's working. But people were still addicted to that easy button. Yep. And and that's interesting because now everybody's like, okay, now real estate's going to crash and you're all going to lose. Well, crypto's lost, the stock market's lost, but guess what? When the phase changes, so now, so phase one was cheap money, get as much money as we can. The win on that became phase two that was a lift in prices. Okay, great. We win through the lift in prices. And as long as we can stay in the game, this is why we preach reserves, right? We preach a balanced approach, a moving at a rate that you can handle and understand your leverage. If you stayed in the game, you won. Now what's happening is I would say the, the rising of interest rates is doing its job that it's supposed to level things off. Now, maybe it'll crash. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, because like Brad, but, I like you wouldn't, think you would hear from this from somebody in real estate, but like, I did not love the constant prices because it, the price constant price rise. Like I love working in a level market. I like knowing that, Hey, I buy a house. Now I flip it six months. My projections are going to be correct. So, well, it was not it awesome. In CG? Who crushed it in CG while prices were rising? Flippers, flippers on flippers the East, on the East and West coast. Flippers loved it, right? And yeah. now when we hear, oh, everything is crashing, it's only those types of sectors. We would prefer, again, we're building a 10-year plan. We like to plan into the future and with stability, we can do that. So um, so, so now we're seeing rising of an interest rates is now pulling money out of the markets, making it you know, less money flowing <laughs> in. So prices are leveling off. And that does a couple of things. As prices level, right? Uh, there, there's a couple of things. Jimmy, what's happened to availability of inventory? Let's talk about that now that there's kind of this phase three. Yeah, I mean, the stuff we were selling in 18 and 19, the three bed, two bath, 1200 square foot houses, those are not getting gobbled up or they're being sold at reasonable prices. So uh, I know our rehab crews are happy about that. I'm happy about that. Like we are so, set, we're back. Yeah. Deals are opening up essentially. There's, there's more, so- there's more time on market, which means we can make better decisions, right? Yeah. 
there's less people in a bidding war, which means we can come to a reasonable price, right? For the asset. And that's why we don't think they're tanking. Things weren't super overvalued. There was just anxiousness of wanting to get rid of money that was making things stupid. So it went from stupid to normal, right? right? Um, and so now we can actually get our hands on pretty good deals. And another thing that's coming back are seller concessions. So it's normal that there'd be some concessions of some, some, some property management adjustments or some closing costs or some things yep. buying down rates and making we there's negotiation involved between buyer and seller where when it's a seller's market buyers have a difficult time and when it's a one-sided transaction it's never the most equitable and so now that there's negotiation we're getting we're getting much better realistic deals okay yeah so that's happening so we're seeing a price leveling and opens the door for us to do well, we're, we're also seeing interest buy. rates leveling. What, you, what you have to understand is like future price bumps by the Fed are already priced in. So it's I, what I learned is it's not like the Fed bumps the rate and then your mortgage goes up the next day. That was very interesting to me. And, and that's kind of a side note. It, because I think it was held back so long that as soon as there was any excuse, they priced in as much of it as they possibly could. And the well, subsequent ones were already priced in. Yeah, they had to. They had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Okay, so now we're in this phase. The other thing that's catching up, right? Now our cash flow pillar is starting to come back. We're, we're not seeing the appreciation pillar as much. We're not telling people to expect a bump in price and harvest your equity in the next 12 to 18 to, to, to 24 months. What we're saying is now rents are able to catch up with prices because prices were moving faster than we could redo a 12 month lease. We were in a 12 month lease and we yeah. contractually could not raise it. Now we're able to make those $50, a month bumps that tenants are expecting because inflation, when, when inflation reports at 8%, I can't raise my rent 8% until the contract is up. But now we can and prices are staying the same. So now Again, the properties I bought with 3% debt that weren't cash flowing or were barely covering you know, their expenses, now I've got 50, 100, 150 bucks a month of, of breathing room, making the deal work even better. Well, and then this is something that doesn't show up on a pro forma. Right now, the greatest threat to everyone's wealth is inflation. Mm -hmm. And so, hey, if it doesn't cash flow year one, it'll cash flow in year two. Because why did they raise the interest rate? Because inflation, they had to control inflation. Yep. And that pig is not through the Python yet on the rental market. And the only thing better than having bought two or three properties last year that I get a raise rent on is that I bought two or three properties every single year for the last five years that all right. get that same rent. So now 50, 100, 150 bucks a month times 10 properties. How much more revenue is that? $1,000 a month, right? This is the idea of understanding the cycle that we'll go through and we'll win right in all of those, okay? So now where are we headed in the cycle? Well, your guess is as good as mine, but if prices fall, Jimmy, okay, how does that affect somebody who has a portfolio that is in our game, assuming our model? Does not affect them any way, shape or form because they have 30 year fixed finance. Because we have 30-year fixed financing, rents typically are sticky, meaning when prices fall, rents don't fall. Rents just level off, and I don't have to sell my asset. So I, that doesn't impact 
my game and I'm going to continue to force equity because I've got that 30 year fixed mortgage. I'm going to keep paying down. So sure. I lost maybe some of the cream that, you know, I got over the last couple of years. Maybe that was maybe my 10,000 turns into only 5,000. Right. But I'm still paying the mortgage down. Right. And if well, prices tenants, come so. down and rents don't, that feels a lot like 2016 when I could get 10, 12, 15% cash on cash deals. And I make up for not having appreciation or maybe taking a little bit off the top with much more aggressive monthly cash flow that I can take that tax free and buy more deals. So hopefully you guys are seeing that no matter where we're moving, we can win in any market because we have four levers we're pulling on. Yeah. And that's the point of, you know, that's the title of the podcast. Like every, it's always a good time to buy. It's the reasons just change. You're going to be pulling a different lever as to why you're, you're making the buying decision at this time. So who lost then Jimmy over the last three years with all of this craziness, who, because like I said, people that could have bought in phase one made money, phase two made money, phase three made money, were projected to make money as we move into phase four. So who lost? Uh, people who were trying to time the market. People who sat on the sidelines. Yeah. People that didn't have property to, oh, we missed something. If I bought property in 18 at five and a half percent mortgages, guess what I did in 2020? You refied it. Yeah, we kind of touched on that, but you refied yeah. Because that's that's the lesson I've learned too on this is like if your plan is to build a rental portfolio when interest rates are low, you'll never be able to do it because it's like pushing capital through a straw. Because mm -hmm. prices will hike, demand will increase, and you'll never push that. You'll never push that capital through the straw. Like that was the biggest problem we had in 2021, 2022. People frustrated, they couldn't deploy their capital. Yep. And so the I saw the people really win for a low interest rate environment were the people who already had assets and then they refight out. Like they legitimately, if they had 20 assets and went from a five and a half percent interest rate to a three, they just boom, created generational wealth. And, and we saw people buy in 15, 16, 17, 18, like do what you did. They refinanced, pulled out $25,000 and lowered their monthly payment, thus increasing their cash flow, rolling their portfolio over. But if I didn't buy because I was waiting or hesitant or didn't understand what was going on, I lost out on all of those pillar changes, right? Yep. So, and, and especially I lost out because my cash lost 8% of its value, right? And now I'm starting in a hole and I have to try to, the same property I could have bought in 18, I got to pay 2022 or 2023 prices for, and the rent that could have gone up, I'm only, I'm getting, you know, I, I don't get the, in I, all of that right? The only thing, the only way we, we've engineered a game where we win by staying in, not timing. And I just don't think a lot of people are out there, A, understanding that, or B, really, really talking about it or connecting those dots. And well, it, it people like, imagine what would happen in the financial media. If you said, Hey, it doesn't matter what you do. You can't time anything. That whole industry would go away. So then why do they need you as a pundit to talk about what's happening right now? If you're not going to do, if you're just going to do the same thing, right? Right. Like exactly. we're trained, we're trained to think we can time the market. Yep. And but we're how trained many to assign winning and losing to, you know, to, to different groups based on what they did. Yeah. How many stock market studies have been made that, Hey, if you just a monkey throwing darts, will do as well as an index fund. 
Yep. Same thing. Yep. So that I'm just having this thought. This is why I love podcasting. I'm able to kind of think on air, but like, so if it's impossible to time any market, it's just more validation to buy assets that you win in four different ways. So here's, here's something interesting though, as well, though, do not confuse this with the same buy and hold strategy that Dave Ramsey will tell you to do. And dollar cost average, don't worry about market fluctuations. It, if you stay in the game, you always win. Because here's yeah, so, a very big difference. Yeah, explain right? that to me. Why do, if, you, if that's your stock reason to stay in a stock market, why is he wrong? So he's, he's wrong because we're, we're missing how we're timing it. So he's right in that your point to point change and the value of your stocks, if you wait long enough, will be up because we live in America. It's the greatest wealth creation country still on the planet, as far as I can tell. So it, I think America will be worth more tomorrow than today. So Inflation they're adjusted? looking at it. If we're trying to end at a future state, we will end higher. Okay. But what's missing is last year, the stock market sold off 20%. So you in 2020, you lost. But real estate investors with four pillars didn't lose. They still moved forward, right? So I didn't win in a way that I thought I would win, but I, I, I get to win every single, uh, every single year, right? Not picking and choosing. So what I can't get back in Dave's timeline is I can never get back 2022. I don't get time back. I might get my earnings back if I wait, but by waiting, I'm giving up time. And this is why that 10-year time window becomes so incredibly valuable. If I win every single year on an ever-growing portfolio, I can wake up in 10 years and have real wealth to talk about. But nobody says, max out your 401ks and get your company match. And in 10 years, you'll have real wealth. They'll say in 30 years or 40 years, because we may head into a gap of five years and we get nothing. Well, and then that's something that doesn't show up on a pro forma either is your first 10 houses, you're learning so much about investing and learning. The scary thing for me, and I, the reason I'm glad, glad I'm out of corporate is you work 30 years in corporate, you don't learn any of the investing skills, you don't learn any of the capital deployment skills, and then one day, every day, Saturday, and you're supposed to be, then you're retired with no skill set on how to manage that portfolio. Well, and, and this is the concept I love that we, again, people, are, after they do one or two deals and we show them how they won, they, they have poopy pants because they, they thought they were going to one way and we show them how they actually crushed it. Then they come back and say, awesome, I want to do syndication. We're like, dude, throttle back, chill out because the co complexity comes through scale, right? So it is inherently more complex and difficult to manage to own 10 houses than three houses. So why add the complexity of understanding, evaluating, finding, growing a team, having relationships and understanding markets while we're also scaling complexity of ownership, right? right. So we say, don't change the type of asset and add that complexity because there's going to be complexity just going to deal four, five, six of this same exact deal let alone 
a new deal for deal four and a totally new property for, for five and a totally different investment in market for seven, that's where people really actually end up getting knocked out of the game because my reserves for single family homes, that calculation, that process, that understanding scales with property. But if I'm going to go into a completely different market, I've got a completely different set of fundamentals and I have to duplicate and manage that differently than this other portfolio. Like it just gets so complex. We say, look, just win at 10 to 20 properties, wake up rich, then make a decision. And if you look at the people successful, Jimmy, what was Robert Kiyosaki's first deal? Single family. Two bedroom, two bath condo in Hawaii, right? He, right? he talks about it. Okay, he didn't start in the deals he does. What was Grant Cardone's first deal? Single family for like 20 Sing years. Single family home, right? So the gurus out there trying to sell you what they're doing now are doing you a disservice by not telling you, why don't you do what got me successful before you come to me with wealth? I wish that's right. what they would do. That's what we're doing. Well, and then the other pressure of why gurus go to multifamily is it gets it's easier to deploy capital faster. And so I think capital deployment is going to be the rub no matter what in any market cycle. Yep. And I would tell you it's better to go slower. We're getting rich slower and I want to win multiple ways. So I would rather slow down and deploy it in the right ways because it, it, it feels like it takes six months feels like a lot of time where you're sitting on 250K. Right. But after 18 months of getting that deployed, you will be able to get rid of it right? Faster yeah. than you can save it. And you'll get through it and you'll have a much better portfolio than getting, get, getting anxious and just saying, I got to get rid of this money tomorrow. Right. Yeah, and I the agree. other thing that Grant doesn't tell you is he's scaling into single families so he can scale. So he can go get no, your he's scaling money into multifamily. Yeah. He's scaling into multifamily so he can scale. Correct. So he can scale. It's yeah. better for him as an operator, not necessarily better for you as the investor. Correct. Yep. Well, cool. I feel like, uh, yeah, I was, it. I do love the podcasting because you get to think. Yeah. So if you learned something, right, hit us up, come hang out. We've got a free Facebook group, Google us in the Facebooks or what, go to the search thing and type in Cashflow tactics. We got, I think 7,000 people hanging out there, having the conversation of all of this. And if you don't believe us, go into that group and make a post and be like, I don't believe Brad and Ryan and Jimmy that said, I should always be buying. Somebody tell me that this works and you'll get a barrage of comments. And so prove us wrong by going into the, the, the group and doing that. Um, and then if you want to know how to do this, our core competency, what we do better than anybody else in this world is we will build out your plan. We'll take 90 days and we'll sit down with you and we will map out your path from wherever you are to your first or next passive income investment in the next 90 days. And we'll line up a path for you to not only transact, but consistently transact for 10 years and wake up rich. That's what we'll show you. We will show you exactly how to do that. And you can find all the information by getting us on Facebook or going to our website or doing all the things. Um, but that's ultimately what we want to do with you is build that and walk you through it. And with that, uh, Jimmy, sign let's off. Sign off. This is fun, Brad. I'll talk to fun. you later. Until next time. See you guys.
Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Up Live Free podcast. Do you want to connect with me and other empire builders who are on a mission to take control of their financial plans and become financially free in 10 years or less? Well, then join us in our private Facebook group where we get to go deeper into the topics of financial freedom. And it's the only place you can see the actual results of people on their path to financial freedom, learn what's working, and interact as a community dedicated to becoming financially free. When you join, you'll get immediate access to exclusive training in a private membership area. This training will empower you in your path to becoming financially free, and it will fast track your results. This is the only place you get access to this exclusive content. So be sure to join us in the Facebook group now. Just go to cashflowtactics.com forward slash group or head over to Facebook and search Cashflow Tactics to join. I look forward to you joining us next time on the Rise Up Live Free podcast.